You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 680 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Tuesday evening. And uh, it was a pretty ugly night at the office for the Atlanta Hawks in this game up in New York. A final score of 143 to 120. That is not a misprint. If you did not watch this game, you were better off not doing so. Even if you are the most diehard of Hawks fans, I would not encourage you to catch catch up on this one. I did the watching for you, as always. And, you know, I am tempted to sort of throw out the rundown this time around. If you are a frequent listener to the podcast, you will know that my normal format basically for these game recap podcasts is the first half of the show basically as a rundown of what transpired and then the second half of the podcast talking about individual players. I'm not going to do quite that much uh, in terms of the uh, the structure on this one. All that to say, this is a ghastly performance from the Hawks. Uh, you will know if you, again, if you if you listen to this podcast or follow me on Twitter or read my stuff at peacefulhoops.com, you will know that I sort of pride myself on being pretty even-handed. I don't get too high or too low when people are very mad about the Hawks. I usually try to bring them up. People are too high about the Hawks, I bring them down. And uh, that comes with the territory when kind of just being hardened to the process and covering the team as objectively as humanly possible. But I will have to say on this podcast, this is a terrible performance from the Hawks in basically every way. I, I will say, a, you know, offensively by the end of this game, there were some nice moments. And I do think, aside from about a four-minute stretch in the second quarter, the offense was perfectly acceptable in this game. The defense was absolutely not acceptable in this game. We'll talk more about that as we get going here. But that's sort of the backdrop just to say that, particularly the first half, but, you know, basically this entire game was just an awful performance from the Hawks. Uh, I will say... The first half was unquestionably the worst half of the season for Atlanta. I understand, and I already heard people that say that were saying that, that the Rockets game was worse. You know, by the point by, by the point total in the first half of the Rockets game, I would agree with you. But um, the Rockets that was a bad situation for the Hawks. It was the third game in four nights, all um, on, on the road. Um, and of course, the Rockets are very very good at basketball. They have James Harden, who was unconscious in that game. And yes, the Hawks were down by more points in that spot. But in this game, the Hawks were maybe not supposed to win, but certainly not supposed to get blown out by a team that is, uh, you know, kind of their equal right now in the Knicks. And to be down the way the Hawks were at the half in this game and allowing, you know, allowing season highs and franchise records and crazy stuff like that to the Knicks, which is absolutely indefensible. And uh, there you go. That's the uh, way we'll, we'll dive into this podcast and this game because it was awful from the Hawks. Um at the top here, the Hawks were one and a half point underdogs, which kind of looks funny in retrospect when, when it was by 23 and you trailed by you know at least 20 for basically the whole second half of this contest. Um, I guess on the bright side, there were no injuries aside from John Collins coming into this game. Kevin Herter did not have an MRI on his shoulder per Sarah Spencer of the AJC. That's a good thing, and Herter did not play great in this game, but having him back quickly after an injury that took place over the weekend is a good sign for him. So that's that's one positive for this night if there is one. Um, but setting the table a little bit here, I know I sort of teased it a second ago, but this is the third easiest game on the schedule so far for the Hawks per Las Vegas. The Hawks have been favored only once this year. They were favored against the Warriors and won that game, and then they were a pick against Chicago in a game they lost at home. But aside from that, a one-and-a-half point spread is actually tied for third easiest game on the schedule so far this year. And when the Hawks have had those close spreads, they've actually won. But in this game, not so much. Um, you know, Coming into the game, this is something that I have to say as well. The Knicks were dead last 
I'm going to say it one more time. The Knicks were dead last in, off- in offensive rating. So basically, they were the worst offense in the NBA coming into this game. Um, and uh, 143 speaks for itself. There was a, uh, I would say, a relatively fast pace, but still a 135 offensive rating for the Knicks in this game. That is absolutely you know, again, indefensibles that was the word that I will use coming into the game, and uh, there you go with that. This is a fifth straight loss for the Hawks. They've now lost 16 out of 18 as well. That is, uh, of course, dreadful. Um, to the top of this game, we'll sort of fly through the particulars because uh, the second half was almost all irrelevant when it came to the actual score of the contest. There's an early 9-2 run from the Knicks after sort of a sloppy start on both ends. The Hawks... Um, you know, offensively, we're able to take advantage of the Knicks not trapping Trey Young for most of this game, and you saw that with Trey's numbers. Trey was able to kind of do whatever he wanted to do offensively in this game. If you're trying to find a bright spot, it was Trey Young's offense. Um, one thing to note that I wanted to point out in any way is that DeAndre Bembry returned to the rotation in this game. It was not just garbage time. Bembry played in the first quarter and played 12 minutes only because uh, he was not very good in this game, but did return. Uh, part of that was that Cam Reddish had two fouls, but the Hawks played all five of their sort of prominent wings in the first seven minutes as Lloyd was uh, trying to, I guess, um, mix up the rotation and see what was going on there um back and forth for most of the quarter in the first but then the bottom fell out at the end of the first quarter the beginning at the beginning of the second quarter was when the game pretty much ended for the hawks um trey went to the bench with 310 to go in the first in the first quarter at that point in time the hawks were down by three and then um about 30 seconds later they were actually only down by one at 28 to 27 from that point forward there were 11 straight points by the knicks to go up by a 12 point margin and only two points total um Sorry, two points more after Young came back in to kind of try to stop the bleeding. It was a 16-3 to overall run to close the first quarter from the Knicks. And uh, no one no one but Trey Young had more than four points in the first quarter. It was the first 40-point quarter of the season for the Knicks. So that kind of tells you everything that, everything that you need to know about that um, and the way that it transpired. And it didn't stop there. Going into the second quarter, the Knicks scored 21 consecutive points. 21 consecutive points against a 6-21 and Knicks team. Um... The Hawks didn't score for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. Again, that was what I said before. That was the only time in this game where the offense was a problem, really, was that four-and-a-half-minute stretch where they did not have a single point. But honestly, the bigger issue during that time was that the Hawks allowed, again, the league's worst offense to score 21 points in a three-and-a-half-minute time period. So a perfect storm there, but that basically ended the game. The Hawks were you know, basically dead even with them at that point in time. And, and from you know, before that game, before that part, and after that part, the Hawks were minus two. But in that four-minute stretch, they lost by 21 points, and that was the game as it was. So the Hawks were down by 22 points um, at one point there early in the second quarter. They, did, they, did, they actually did have an 8-0 run led by Trey Young with two threes to get back to 14. And got, they actually got it to 13 a couple times late in the second quarter, but then a 9-0 run by the Knicks to go back up by 22. Atlanta did punch back a little bit when they were uh, settling in down the stretch of the first half, and then the Knicks scored the last eight points of the first half to have their sort of last and you know their last push that really mattered in this game. Um, the Knicks set their season high for points and a half with 242 to go in the first half. Um, so yeah, that goes without saying. Season high for the Knicks in scoring in the first quarter and the first half and the full game. That, uh, Tells you all you need to know. Um, as I said before, the worst half of the season, full stop for the Hawks, a 141 defensive rating. That is impossibly bad. The Knicks shot 56, 57% from the floor. They had three turnovers in the first half. Trey Young had 22 points, but the rest of the team was 12 of 33 from the field offensively. After halftime, I'll be much more uh, brief about what happened after halftime. The Knicks scored the first seven points to basically end the game. They went up by 24 points. You know, down, down 24 at the half. The game isn't over, particularly because the Knicks are not good at basketball. 
you have Trey Young, you have the ability to close gaps. We've seen the Hawks kind of close gaps before, but once it went for 24 to 31, that was basically the end of the game. Because if you come out of the locker room down 24 and the other team scores the first seven points, you just basically wave the white, the white flag at that point in time. Damian Jones got a very quick hook, which I thought was noteworthy in the third quarter. They pulled him out pretty quickly. And then DeAndre Hunter, who actually settled in after this, had two air balls in a row on good looks within the first three minutes of the first half. Uh, sorry, of the second half, and that was kind of telling in itself. There was one 8-0 run from Atlanta to get back within 23 points when the Knicks didn't score for almost three minutes, but um, that was kind of it for that. Vince Carter had a nice little stretch when he, he, he actually hit two threes in a row, had 14 points for three quarters in his last trip to MSG. I feel bad for Vince. Um, he, he did have a nice um, ovation given to him by the MSG crowd up, up in New York at the end of the game when he was taken out, and uh, good on Lloyd Pierce for taking him out of the game with 45 seconds to go so, so that Vince could get his final standing ovation from the MSG crowd, but that was kind of the only bright spot, honestly aside from Troy Young and a little bit of DeAndre Hunter in the second half. Um, you know, the, the lead never got never not actually got below 21, so it was in the 20s the entire fourth quarter. Um, the Knicks broke their season high for points at 124 with almost seven minutes to go in the game. Um, Trey Young had a nice flourish with three straight deep jumpers with, in, a lot of, in about a minute and a half of, of time to cut it back to 23 at one point in time. But uh, a little bit of a curious decision to have uh, both Trey Young and Kevin Herter in the game all the way to the end. Um, Herter coming off the injury, and Trey, um, I'm looking now, Trey played 41 minutes, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, it's not his fault they stayed in the game. That, that's a coaching decision, but I'm kind of baffled by the coaching staff leaving him, leaving him on the floor. And Because basically, by the time the game was at five minutes to go, it was absolutely over, and then you get even later than that. I'm not sure if there was a message being sent there or something like that to some of the starters that were still out there, but Herter coming off the injury and Young with all the minutes that he played in this game, I'm not really sure why they played all the way to the end, but regardless, it was all over at that point in time. And uh, one more time here, this is, the, this is probably the craziest stat of the night. This is the most points scored by the Knicks in a regulation game since November 11th, 1980. I'm pretty old. I was not alive at that point in time. I wasn't close to being alive at that point in time. So, yeah, a perfect storm of absolute terrible play by the Hawks in this game. Again, you know, offensively, with Young having 42, um, that was kind of the only bright spot, I will say. But offensively, the game, the, the team was competent-ish for most of this of, of this game. Defensively, it was it was an all, it was a catastrophe. There's no other way to put that. The Knicks are not good. Um, I will say the Knicks made some shots that, that you would not expect them to make. It wasn't like they didn't have any part in this game, but the Knicks turned them all over 12 times. They they sort of bludgeoned the Hawks on the offensive glass. That was the one advantage that we thought New York was going to have coming into this game. I tweeted about it. The Knicks were a top five offensive rebounding team, and the Hawks are the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. That definitely manifested in this game where the uh, the Knicks grabbed 13 offensive rebounds, but even without that, it wouldn't have mattered, honestly. Uh, the Hawks just couldn't get stops throughout this contest. It was pretty embarrassing, and uh, yeah, we will uh, leave it there for now. We'll come back with some, uh, I guess, final thoughts in a second. But um, after uh, a quick break, we'll come back, talk briefly about the individual players, and look ahead a little bit and sort of wrap up what was a disaster in New York. All right, and we're back talking about the individual players. Very briefly here, on the bench, there was not too much to be excited about in this spot. Vince Carter did have 15 points in his last game against the uh, Knicks. I thought he was not very good um, as an overall player in this game, but the shooting was valuable, and I've said before, that if Vince makes shots, he becomes playable, and he made four threes in this game. They were almost all you know meaningless, given the uh, tenor of the game, but uh, good on Vince for making some shots. 
in the second half. And of course, his farewell tour continues. And uh, this is the only trip to New York this season for the Hawks in the regular season. So that'll do it for Vince, barring some sort of buyout or something like that. It'll be the last time he plays at MSG. Alan Crabb was bad in this game. 0-4 from the floor, 12 minutes. Um, pretty much a non-factor. Same with Bembry. Bembry had four rebounds and was at least active for some of this game, but was minus 18, was not very good. Alex Len was one of the few brighter spots. Still had four turnovers, a couple of really bad drop passes from Alex Len. Nothing new there. His hands are a problem, but still had nine points, five rebounds. It was a little bit better than his uh, than his cohorts at center. Cam Reddish had some nice moments defensively, I thought. Um, he was one of the only guys that probably had a couple nice moments defensively. Um, did have nine points, four rebounds. W- wasn't even as good as he normally is defensively. Bruno Fernando played eight minutes. It was all garbage time in the fourth quarter, and uh, he was seemingly getting reamed by the coaching staff. Um, he was lost. as we've, It's been a theme recently. I know Tyler Jones and I talked about this on the podcast last week. But Bruno just seems to be lost. It wasn't like he had to be paying attention, close attention to actually notice this. But um, when Bruno came in the game, he certainly just had no idea what to do. And uh, we'll leave it there for now. Damian Jones, a very quick hook, as I said before, in the third quarter, played nine minutes without foul trouble. So they were not happy with Damian Jones, it seemed. And I could see why he did not play very well in this game. Kevin Herter, 32 minutes in his return. Um, I guess returned briefly from his injury. Um, a, it's a good thing that he was able to play and play um, – you know, be healthy and not have to have an MRI. That, that's definitely a good thing. On the court, he was not fantastic in this game. 14 points, 5 assists. Did have 3 steals and a block shot. A couple of nice flash plays from Herter, but didn't play with a ton of force. I didn't think defensively. Nobody did, to be honest with you. But I thought his defense was kind of bad by his standards recently, and he was not very efficient offensively. DeAndre Hunter was very bad for about two and a half quarters. I tweeted this uh, late, I believe in the second quarter, that he, he, would look, he looked all the parts of a rookie in this game. He looked, again, Really bad for him. I'm a Hunter fan, but he was very bad for about two and a half quarters. Did have 16 points in the second half. Basically all garbage time. It was uh, it was Young and Hunter getting all of the uh, pretty much all the points in the fourth quarter that had the Hawks scoring um, 36 points in the fourth quarter. By the way, the Hawks won the second half of this game, which is hilarious to think about in retrospect. It doesn't really matter, but they outscored the Knicks 67-66 after halftime. And Hunter, good to see him get some confidence anyway going on late in the game. Uh, and um, Jabari Parker was also bad, I thought. 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Only played 19 minutes. Um... Part of that was just the way the game went, but also Jabari just didn't play very well, in my opinion. The one unequivocal bright spot in this game was Trey Young, 42 points on 16-19 from the floor, 7-13 from three, 3-4 three from the free throw line, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, only 3 turnovers. I thought Young was you know, awesome offensively. That's not a big surprise given the stat line, but he really was very, very good in this game and kind of did anything he wanted to do, did not have a whole lot of help whatsoever, but the Knicks plan to sort of trail him. I was talking to some people that cover the Knicks, and uh, that is apparently their just their, that's their default defense now with um, their personnel. Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson's a fantastic rim protector, so I can see why they might do that a little bit, but Trey Young is going to eat up that kind of coverage that's not a blitz. Uh, you know, they're kind of sagging behind. You know, uh, I, I, you know, Frank is interesting as a defender, but you know, Young mastered that pretty quickly, got anything you wanted to. You know, in the floater range, he was just basically getting anything you wanted to. And then when, he, when he's going to shoot the ball like he did tonight with 7 or 13 from 3, he's basically unguardable. We saw that in this game. So if you want to have a positive, that is the one to take away is that Trey was awesome offensively, but defensively it was bad. I mean, that's, that, that's not anything new, but um, he was still the one guy who could, the Hawks could at least lean on to get some points in this game, and uh, he, did, he did play well offensively. So, you know, that's... I could probably do a half hour podcast on this game, but you know, I'm if I was if I was still a fan and a fan only, I would probably be ranting and raving right now. And I promise to rant. And I'll say this again: this is absolutely unacceptable from the Hawks. There are people um, people asking me if I would fire Lloyd Pierce. I would not do that. You know, I you know, I've I've been on the side of Lloyd. I would say as thinking he's pretty good at his job. The recent results are not good data points for Lloyd Pierce. I will be the first to say that. You know. I, 
I'm always quick to say, and I, I still believe this, this is not a roster that is built to win right now. There's only so much that a coach can do, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. People are, you know, bringing up the fact that Lloyd was a, was a defense first hire. I understand that, but if you're going to play lineups that the Hawks are playing right now, you can't play defense. With that said, this was particularly awful, and you know the head coach has to bear some responsibility for a for an absolute no show against a game in a game that, that you're supposed to at least hang around and maybe even win. I predicted a win in this game. I wasn't overly excited about that on Twitter, and sort of I couched it with a lot of caveats. But I thought the Hawks were going to win this game, and they went out and got absolutely walloped by a bad Knicks team. So that is pretty indefensible. One more time here. But, um, you know, I could rant and rave all day about this. The Hawks will have an opportunity to write the ship a little bit on Thursday when the Utah Jazz come to town. But top line thoughts, this is the worst game of the season for the Hawks, in, that, in my opinion. I know, again, they've had more lopsided defeats this year. You know, the Houston game was the one that I remember, but even the Clippers game got out of hand at times. But those those teams are good, and the Hawks just kind of got run over by better teams. This game, there's no excuse whatsoever for this for this kind of performance. Um, I know John Collins is not there, and you know that's something I have to point out because it does matter, but John Collins is not going to fix a 23-point blowout loss against a bad Knicks team. Collins will help them on both ends of the floor. I've said that throughout this absence and this suspension. He'll be back again in less than a week. I've been pointing that out for quite some time now. I, you know, I am a supporter of John Collins. I think he's good at basketball, but John Collins is not prime LeBron. He's not going to fix everything here. I promise you that, especially on defense. Will he help? Absolutely. But you know, some of the stuff about the record right now. 623 speaks for itself. Um, you know, is the schedule brutal? Yes, it ha- yes it has been, but you know, you still have to get a win. Like you can't blame the schedule on a night like this when it's not a back-to-back and you're playing the Knicks on the road and you get absolutely bludgeoned. There's just no excuse for it. So, I'm not the fire and brimstone guy, but that's where I'll leave it for now. This is an awful performance and we'll see how they fare in a bounce back show in here. Last thing on the podcast, um, they actually went off of the air on Fox Sports Southeast um, without hearing from Lloyd Pierce. This is, this is the second time um, this is the second time this season that the Hawks have gone off, that um, FSSE folks have gone off the broadcast without hearing from Lloyd Pierce. Not their fault by any means. You know, he probably just took a long time in the locker room. That stuff does happen. It happened early in the season in Detroit after another blowout loss so I will be interested to see what the fallout is I know a couple of beat writers were there Sarah Spencer and Chris Kirshner are in um, New York I'm sure they'll have some thoughts from the locker room and from whatever Lloyd Pierce says um, whatever that happens but I'm recording that before that stuff comes out so if there's anything new to cover I will break in um, with another podcaster maybe after the game on Thursday but regardless um, that's probably an interesting sign as well just to see what happens after this game and what Lloyd says publicly because clearly it was an awful performance and everyone has to know that but um, how it's addressed publicly is always interesting as well to me and we'll touch on that if necessary so Last thing, awful showing. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I would not fire Lloyd Pierce. Is he on the hot seat? Probably not. Um, But I will say you cannot have this kind of performance keep going. I I think when Collins is the natural... Sort of line of line of delineation when uh, when he returns. If the Hawks are still this bad, the uh, the chatter that I, it's probably it's mostly on Twitter right now is going to get much much louder. So we'll see what happens with that. And uh, of course, everyone wants to bl- blame the coach immediately, which I understand. Um, and again, you know, I get it in this spot. There's some responsibility from the head coach to be prepared to uh, to have their team prepared, I should say, to compete. And uh, in this game, it just didn't happen, and the Hawks were awful. So there you go. Please subscribe to the podcast if you have more thoughts or questions or something like that. You can follow me on Twitter at BT and follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks and you will get the podcast tweeted to you there. But the best way to get the podcast immediately is to subscribe to the show via your platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, all those places we should be there. Tell a friend about the show as well. And if nothing else, we'll see you after the game on Thursday.